Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the new and improved Cup of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully subscribed for a ton of great Cubs content. If you like the shows, leave us a five-star review and a rating to help other people find the shows. We still have all of your series-by-series updates, plus the bleacher banter that you love. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs' schedule and what's difficult there, what they are struggling with, and more for Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? It feels like it's been a hot minute. It it does feel like it's been a minute. And I almost was going to say that we shouldn't record because the Cubs were hot while we weren't recording. And I was like, oh, maybe we should just not record a cup of Cubby Blue episode. But now that we've lost to the Mets again and we've come back down to some sort of earth, I figure we better do a show and uh, get this team back on track. But yeah, it's good to good to hear from you. I know we've, we've both been traveling planes, trains and automobiles, but it's nice to finally find a moment to uh, talk about this Cubs team and everything that's happened. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and we have been on like traveling to opposite coasts too. Like you went to Florida, I am in Oregon, like nowhere near Chicago, but keeping track of the Cubs wherever we go. And yes, people, I brought my lucky hat with me and it's been on for every second of every game. The hat is six and three at the moment. Um, Let's just jump right into it. So as you alluded to at the top of the show, the Cubs ended their six series win streak uh, against the Mets last night. They dropped two of three to the Metropolitans. Honestly, let's just call it what it is. They dropped two of three to Pete Alonzo. Nobody <laughs> else from the Mets really could do much of anything other than get on base to score when Pete Alonzo hit home runs. And I, I think I would like to start with the following question. Why did the Cubs insist on pitching to Pete Alonzo? when anyone with eyes could see that they would have probably swept this series if they just would have walked Pete Alonso. I mean, even with the bases loaded, just walk Pete Alonso, get the other guys out, win series. I don't know what David Ross is doing sometimes. Pete Alonso had 10 RBI in this series. The Cubs themselves scored eight total runs. So basically Pete Alonso beat the Cubs single-handedly. If you want to like he drove in more runs than the Cubs had. And also he is a notorious Cubs killer. Um, He has 15 home runs against the Cubs in, I guess it'd probably be about like 115 plate appearances at this point um, against them. 116, something like that. Cause I think I grabbed these numbers uh, before last night's game, but This year, specifically, he's batting over 500. He has an OPS over 2,000. Like, 
What do you got to do now? I now last night in last night's game, like Hendo gives up the the dong to Alonzo, and then he's got to face him with the bases loaded, and he got a ground out to second, and that was exciting. Like it was great to see Hendo succeeding in that moment. But you're not gonna be you're not gonna get away with that too much if that's your like go-to plan like hey let's load the bases and have a guy towards the end of his outing pitch against the hottest hitter in baseball like or at least this series against the Cubs uh you know if that's the plan it's not gonna work out yeah I mean this is a Mets team that sold at the deadline they're rolling out Rafael Ortega old friend Rafael Ortega to play one of the corner outfield spots they've got Abraham Almonte who man that's a blast from the past I couldn't even believe that dude was still running around the major leagues uh I and yet pitching to Pete Alonso over and over and over again he hits two home runs in the first game I think he hit a home run in the second game Kyle Hendricks the professor, as you wisely called out, uh, did walk Pete Alonso the first time. He gave him one sinker that was actually a wicked pitch. That pitch kind of like cut back over the plate. It did wind up in the strike zone, but it really wasn't a pitch to hit. It was one strike and then just threw four balls as far away from anywhere where Pete Alonso could hit them as possible. And I was like, yes, that is how you pitch to Pete Alonso. And then the next time the professor insisted on grooving him a pitch that landed in, I don't know, man, the far side of the moon. I... I'm kind of over. I, I I think David Ross needs to take a page out of Joe Madden's book. And when you've got one guy who is particularly hot on another team, just walk him until you break him. Yeah. Cause then he won't know what to look for. I mean, I don't mind that you're, you're pitching to him and not just automatically walking him. Cause you don't give, you know, the, just sending him down to first base. I don't mind that you throw him pitches, you know, but you do not give that man anything to hit. You know, that's the dumb thing. And, and they got beat by him over and over again. And they, and they're professional sports players. You don't want to just lay down. Like, it's not like Pete Alonzo is, you know, Shohei Otani or something like he's got it. Uh, OPS in the eight fifties. He's, he's batting in the two twenties. Like he's just hot now and he knows how to beat you. And he has been doing that for years. And it's weird how guys will have those kind of splits and some people call it fluky, but at some point it's, it's an, you know, if you're a cub killer, that's a thing. Like, and we got our guys too, that, you know, will that can do it against other teams that, that it hap against the reds, which is great. You know, that's what happens, but it is a real thing. I don't think it's just totally a fluke. And especially when you run into Alonzo in this situation. Yeah. And so I learned, we learned a couple of things in this series. Do not pitch to Pete Alonzo and do not bunt. Um, Never bunt. Yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about the bunt. I am over this. I two on nobody out. Nick Madrigal comes up. Okay, a couple of things about the bunt. Number one, he shows bunt immediately. So, like, everybody knows what's about to happen. The pitch he actually winds up bunting, I swear to God, was over his head. Now, admittedly, he was in, like, his batter's crouch. So, he was probably, like, four foot eleven instead of five foot four or whatever he is. But still, like, that pitch was forehead high that he actually bunted and got down, which, that's a great bunt. So, this is nothing about Nick Madrigal's bunting skills he has the ability to bunt and to move the runners over in that situation 
the man is a contact bat. He is there to make contact and move runners along. And I get it. There's a risk that he hits into a double play there. But frankly, there's also a really good chance he gets a hit. Danny, I instead, they give up an out. They've got their free swingers behind him. And we're going to talk about Morrell in a second here, too, because he stared at 94 down the middle, just like, what are we doing right now? Well, I don't know, Danny. Yeah. It was a disappointing series of events. Yeah, it really was. It just kind of all the hope just was vanquished, really. Uh, so, yeah, the bunt, it's not like that's a terrible move right there. You know, it, it, it sucks to give up the out. I agree. Um, less and less uh, teams are doing that. You know, we've seen way less bunting in the major leagues over the last bunch of years. But and Nick Magical is the right guy. In fact, he was a pinch hitter set up to that to do that. Like, I don't know if you can control it, but you know that like bunting for a hit versus bunting for a bunt situation. That's what kind of bugs me about it, because he bunted for a bunt. He's like, oh, we're just going to move him along and I'm going to get out. And that's how it's going to be. It's like, no, I would like to see like Michael Cotton made a really good point on Cubs pod this morning. Where was the respect 90, Nikki? you know, slow steps because, you know, bunt, bunt for a hit. Cause that's a different kind of bunt. You know, you put, try to put it in no man's land. If they expect, if they're expecting a bunt, pull the bat back and knock it over their head. Like Nikki is supposed to be that kind of contact guy that you're right. You got a good chance of getting a hit and driving in that run with just one hit. And now you got a chance to give a, get a crooked run run on the uh, number on the board with like first and third and already the run in. And like, you just give up that opportunity at that point, Christopher Morrell, regardless of the fact that he has been quite clutch this year, if you believe in such things as clutch, he's been clutch. He's come through in big moments. Um, he did, but looking at a strike three down the middle, it, you know, that is to me, the Cubs breaking Christopher Morrell, we're seeing the the start of it. The you know how they they're turning him into Ian Happ somehow. Like they're going to try to be like, listen, we don't want you to strike out. We don't want you to be such a free swinger, and so we need you to look at these pitches. And so you know, I want you guessing breaking ball. I mean, he was not ready for another fastball. And isn't that the old adage? Be ready for the fastball. Adjust to the breaking ball. Be ready for the you know. That's what all the hitting coaches will say, and. You know, now they're just like, oh, we need you to be more disciplined. So he's in his head. And this has been happening a little bit to Morell. He's been taking a lot more walks. Everybody gets excited, like, oh, look, he didn't strike out, he didn't walk. But I want Christopher Morell swinging at baseballs and especially at ones that are right down the freaking middle. But you're in his freaking head trying to turn him into Ian Happ, who is the most, u- who actually ended this game because he's freaking ultimately useless because he's always looking for a walk. The dude's batting 250 with an OBP over 350. You know, it's like, it's valuable, but not all the time. When you need a hit, when you need contact, you've got to get it from where it's got to be. So Nikki should have been trying to make more contact behind, yeah, somebody who's who's one in three chance of striking out and Christopher Morrell. So, like, you know, and then, I don't know, then Nico, they didn't give him anything to hit at all. And then, you know. No, they just walked Nico. They're like, we're not even going to try. They're just like, Nico can just, like, go. To, Nico can go to first. <laughs> we're going to try our hand. At Christopher Morrell and Ian Happ, which frankly is what the Cubs should have been doing with Pete Alonso the whole time. It's like you've got one guy 
who is a, has a preternatural contact ability, who is definitely going to drive the drive in these runs, and we would like to just put him on first base so that we can try our chances at the two guys who strike out. The Buck Showalter showing David Ross how it's done. Yeah, because Buck Showalter is an actual manager, not some yes man from the front office uh, who like Ross GPT, I like to call him. And then uh, you know the. The other thing is we got to talk about Hap and where he bats in this lineup in the first place. Because I, listen, the OBP, love it. The plate discipline, way to go, Hap. Like, so good. But this year, the power has not been there. This year, the he's looking at a lot of pitches. He's striking out even uh, a lot. He's either striking out or walking. And it's just like, it's not, it's three true, it's two true outcome, Hap. You know, is and uh, so it's been frustrating uh, to have him. Why he bats third and, and fourth in this lineup or at the top of the lineup, except for I would accept to have his leadoff. I would accept that switch hitter gets on base a lot, sees a lot of pitches, give the guys behind you a chance, get on base enough to, for the, the, the bats behind you. Fine. But other than that, I'm betting you ninth. I'm betting you eighth, ninth with the, the production we've been getting out of that spot, because now with Candelario on the team, you can, you know, and Morell, like Morell doesn't even play every day. Mike Talkman, who who does not have lefty righty splits, by the way, he is even play I know. every day. I've written about Mike Talk. I was on top of the Talkman thing before just about anybody. Go back, uh, talking about on base percentage. That piece came out be- well before everybody was like on the Talkman train. I he does not have lefty righty splits. He he has he is slightly better against one than the other yeah. but it's like a wrc plus of 114 versus a wrc plus of 110 and let's just talk about mike talkman because i i might be i might have a crush i am in love with mike talkman he has in my opinion earned the right to wear number 40 and i know no one cared about that in the cubs universe except for me but i cared about it a lot i swear to god if this team makes the postseason i am buying a mike talkman jersey I have not bought a jersey since Wilson Contreras's last All-Star jersey for the Chicago Cubs. So, yeah. that's did my you see my song? Commitment. I loved your song. Yeah. I knew what song it was going to be the second I saw the name. <laughs> the Summer of Mike Talkman. Oh yeah. And and I didn't even know that cuz it's like in the zeitgeist right now because I did not even know that Obvious Shirts in a col- in a collab with Chuggo was dropping Summer of Mike Talkman shirts. And they had already had the Palatine Pounder, and so they had already made a few Mike Talkman shirts. And uh, anyway, I, th- I thought that was hilarious. I had no idea that at the same time they were doing that, that I was writing Summer of Mike Talkman. And um, it, so that was just a totally happy happenstance. But um, the other thing about the the Mike Talkman uh, sadness, and it, I do say it's a sadness, because on that very day where the fans – who know that Mike Talkman is the linchpin of this lineup right now. And I'm surprised at myself for even saying that, those words. But on that very day where the fans, the obvious shirts, the number one shirt company, were me, the one, number one you know, Cubs musician in the, in the universe, um, comes through with some Mike Talkman freaking celebratory gear and music, he doesn't start. He doesn't he start. start every day. Okay, so let's talk about this for a second. <laughs> he came in later. Life. I did like what the Cubs did here, giving Seiya Suzuki a little bit of time off and putting Mike Talkman in right field so that he could play more while he is red hot because he is red hot. And look, Danny, you and I have been around baseball a long time. When your team has a good season, 
it's not just the stars and the studs who get it done. It is also the dudes who no one had really heard of that year. Right. I mean, I was talking about this with a Boston friend of mine. It's like that 2019, 2018 Red Sox team. It was Steve Pierce, man. Like Steve Pierce was the man. And like Steve Pierce is really just an interesting dude you can remember for your immaculate grid someday when you need a former Blue Jay and Red Sox, right? (laughs) Mike Talkman is that guy. He is that guy. He is totally that guy. I love him. I have a crush on him. He's great. He's stealing home runs. He's making great plays, and he's getting on base all the time. I like Mike Talkman in the leadoff spot. I think he should be there every day. And frankly, if you want to alternate and give Ian Happ and Seiya Suzuki some time off and Mike Talkman can play a little left, and Mike Talkman can play a little right, and then he can play center when Cody Bellinger goes to first, I am here for it. Keep Mike Talkman in the lineup. When Mike Talkman is in the lineup, the Cubs win. Don't mess around with a good thing. Yeah, I had looked at that the other day, and I think and the Cubs win, their winning percentage is far better with Mike Talkman in the game. I didn't look at games he started versus games he just got into because just like yesterday's game, he ended up in there, and he drew a couple of walks. He was part of that ninth-inning rally, I believe, where he took a, a walk. Um, he was one of those runners-on, you know, that got left there and stranded. So, I mean, yeah, the the summer of Mike Talkman is absolutely here. And you're absolutely right about the idea that it is those role players that need to step up. And that's where they failed with the Hosmers and the Mancinis of the world, because those guys had the potential to to have some sort of resurgence and come through in a Mike talkman way, you know, but it just didn't work out. And then you've got regressions from guys like, you know, I don't want to get totally into it, but like the Seiya Suzuki story is still being written in this way, but he made himself unplayable and looked absolutely lost at the plate. I don't ever since he, I mean, he, he had a pretty good spring. Can't, uh, then he got, he was having a good spring, got hurt because he was too muscular <laughs> in my opinion. And he's never been good since. Like he never really got off to a great start. Maybe had a couple good weeks in the middle. We're like, oh, say his back. And he wasn't. But like he comes in yesterday after that time off, hit a home run and a triple. Because the only reason the Cubs were even a, only a run down in that game was because of Sayas' home run. And he and that triple was a little aided by the Mets' crappy defense, but it was still a triple. And you know, if you can fix Saya, that's a huge situation. Which then the you make Cody Bellinger play first base, like it's Which not like Talkman <laughs> still in there. Like I, if, even if you need Hap and you got say it like Talkman was filling in a right, but like, you know, the Candelario at first, like, what are we doing here? They're just doing anything they can to keep Nick Madrigal freaking in there, you know, yeah, and, and he's your number one bunter for the end of the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's also your coldest bat right now. So he's way colder than say a Suzuki, although that is probably aided by that home run and triple. Like so, I want to talk about Mike Talkman again for one yeah, more second. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm it's looking the at Mike Talkman's Mike. game log. Uh, and so in the month of August, Mike Talkman has played. It looks like every game that the Cubs have played so far, unless I'm, I'm missing one. He's, he was in all three of the Cincinnati games that happened in August, all three of the Mets games and all three of the Braves games. Mike Talkman uh, got on base in some way, shape, or form in every single one of those games except for one. 
He had yesterday, he comes in as a pinch hitter. He has two plate appearances. He takes two walks. So he's on base all the time. Uh, the only game he was not on base for was the game he started in center field against uh, the Bravos, the first game. But other than that, the dude has been just on fire. Like he, all he does is come into games, gets hits, gets on base. Like, and I and plays excellent defense while doing it. So don't overthink it. Don't mess around with it. The vibes are good. They are Talkman vibes. Put the man in the lineup every single day. Maybe you give him a day off, like once every couple of weeks, and just ride this hot streak while you can. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, he has done nothing to get himself removed from the lineup. Like he has not, like you said, he's getting on base in every game. He's contributing in some way. And in, and in some of those games, he's also making great catches, by the way, in center field and right field. And he's he's playing a great outfield. And, um, you know, I, to me, the odd man out sometimes should be Hap, you know, as well. Like, I don't know why he just gets to be out there every day. Um he had his struggles and they kept him out there as well. But like, I, he's been better than saying you got to play somebody, but yeah, I agree with that hot hand situation. Like how do you leave Mike Talkman on the bench at all right now? Um, his, I'm looking at it right now too, uh, uh, amongst Cubs, like in the last, and this all I care about is like the last 30 days. Like, are you hot now? Because I, I don't, what have you done for me lately? But next to Jamer Candelario, who we also have not talked about yet be, that since uh, we traded for him. Um, but Mike Talkman has the highest OBP of any Cub in the last month. Um, 438 OBP. But on top of that, he's got four dongs as well. Um, so, and that's what third on the team? No, uh, second on the team because Dansby went on a tear. Or, I mean, uh, fifth on the team because uh, Dansby went on a tear. But um, you know, you got to play this guy. Like, how do you sit a a guy with one of your highest OPSs on the team? He's even got more pop. I don't know. Do, do you think he has more pop than Hap? Right now, he does. I mean, I don't think he does overall, but he certainly does right now. I'm looking at the last 30 days of stats for Candelario and Talkman. Admittedly, for Candelario. This includes a little bit of his time with the Nationals. But Mike Talkman in the last 30 days has played 24 games. He has 89 plate appearances, four home runs, 20 RBIs, two stolen bases. He's walked 12.4% of the time. He has struck out 12.4% of the time. He is slashing 364, 438, 623 with a WRC plus of 186. Jamer Candelario, in the meantime, has played 23 games, uh, admittedly, for both the Cubs and the Nationals. Four home runs, 19 runs, 13 runs batted in, two stolen bases, walks 10.6% of the time, strikes out 19.1% of the time, and is slashing 342, 441, 595 with a WRC plus of 181. Both of those dudes need to play literally every day and move Candy up in the lineup, please, and thank you. I, you know, we were talking about why is he at first place? And frankly, I don't know. Like, I don't know why the Cubs are so in love with Nick Madrigal's skills at third base that they insist on making this thing all the time. I am grateful for it because I have picked up Candelario in a couple of fantasy leagues and that first base eligibility is going to be super clutch. But like, honestly, aside from it helping my fake baseball teams, I, I honestly don't understand why Jamer Candelario is at first base. 
Yeah, because your best first baseman is Bellinger, and your bet, and he's also your best center fielder. But Mike Talkman's doing so great that you can just throw him out there freaking every day, and now you've got two lefties in your lineup, which you sorely lack to start the season. And uh, instead, you just sit a guy sometime. And and I, I'm looking at the the Hap versus Talkman comparison here as well. And Talkman's got half the at bats of Hap, and also has a little bit more than half of the home runs have happened. Talkman's got seven home runs and 215 at bats. Hap has a 402 at bats and 13 home runs. Like, so the power has been pretty much the same. Talkman's slugging is higher than Hap's 379 versus 367. And, uh, or I mean, his, uh, OBP is higher. That's uh, where I was going. And his slugging is, uh, 36 points higher. So he's just and, and his o, and his OPS is you know because of all those stats fifty points higher you know like we're we're just dealing like why is it not Hap that's sitting why and is Topman the man David Ross requires like a memo from on high and confirmation and confirmation again and sometimes he needs guys to get DFA'd or put on the injured list before he pulls them out of the lineup like I do not I I don't get it at all. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna move us on though because we have some other dudes to talk about. We have some pitchers that we need to talk about before we talk about this Blue Jay series. Uh, Drew Smiley, man, still in the rotation theoretically. I'm not entirely sure no. why. It, did you see they took him out? Oh, did they finally? Yeah, okay, wait, yeah, tell me more because I definitely was, missed this on West Coast yeah, time. It, it yeah, it just happened uh, yesterday, like sometime in the afternoon, and and um, thank God. They and instead Assad is taking the start on Friday, which I, I see that uh, you knew that in the notes. But part of that whole situation is Assad going in and Smiley coming out. Which hey, now we got a lefty in the pen, <laughs> hooray for us! <laughs> but <laughs> That's also, one way to get a lefty in the pen. But also, like you know, it. it I don't know what if they're just going to give him the one inning, or they're going to ask you know two or three of him and use him more of like a long reliever. Um, you know, I don't know what that helps. That's almost like saying he's getting an opener or something, you know, in a way. Um, because I don't know how much you're expecting out of Assad either. Like, is it a one time through the lineup and then you're out? Or are they giving Assad two times through the lineup? Or how much do they trust these guys? Maybe it depends on what's happening in the game. But um, with Smiley, he's just been terrible that you're hoping that maybe if he can unload in a more of a bullpen way. I don't know like how you pitch differently as a bullpen guy. If you're like, only got to face one inning worth of dudes and I got to get three outs and that's all I got. Maybe you can unlock something that didn't exist as a starter. And that's the hope because we need him. Cause it's not like we've got a ton of pitchers knocking at the door from triple a. This is it folks. Like, there ain't no knight in shining armor going to be riding up, throwing a hundred miles an hour for us. Like, you know, if they come out of triple a, I don't really see, you know, Wisniewski didn't do well the other day. That has been a bit of a disappointment. You know, you got to say, of uh, you know, you look at the Caleb Killian, they brought him up, but I mean, what we've seen at the major league level has not been good. So, I mean, who's this guy that's going to step up? It's got to be the dudes we already have in house. So, if one of those guys is Drew Smiley, freaking out of the bullpen, being nails every other day, if not more, then it's helpful at least to the team. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Smiley in the bullpen situation. Thanks for the update there. I've been traveling and I definitely missed that. Yesterday, uh, as an aside, instead of watching the Marquee Sports Network broadcast that probably talked about some of these moves, I had to listen to Tom Verducci and Matt Vescursion on the MLB Network broadcast. And let me tell you something, you do not want to spend your night with a Cubs loss uh, with the MLB Network broadcast. So I took one for the team there. Um, I... The smiley thing is interesting. Like, I can see it from an innings perspective. He's already basically hit his innings from previous years. They're trying to keep him healthy. He's clearly not performing uh, well <laughs> as a starter at the moment. The bigger problem for me, though, is Drew Smiley, and I, I thought this when they were using an opener in front of him, too. His problem is not second time through the order. Like, he's thrown a 5.56 ERA first time through the order. And then second time through the order, he's at a 4.81. And third time through the order, he's at a 4.43. I mean, he is like the rare starting pitcher who has been better as the game gets later, not worse. Now, part of that is bias, right? Like part of that is he's staying in those games because he's not sucking. And so when he's better, he's in the game longer. But yeah. part of that is also, I don't think he's had a really good game plan for getting guys out the first time through the order. And him and Jan clearly need to work on some stuff because – that is the problem is that he's getting lit up the first time he faces people. And so maybe being in the bullpen will allow him to do some different sequencing. It will be a little bit less predictable, but whatever he's been doing, they, they see it coming a mile away and they're jumping all over him the first time. Well, right? nobody was predicting at the beginning of the year that he was just going to throw his curveball the entire game. And <laughs> then, and so that's why he was doing good. Cause nobody was expecting that they weren't ready for it. They're like, no, he's got to throw a fastball. Eventually I was going to, I'm going to sit fastball. No, you should be sitting curveball because that's what he's going to throw you. And then the teams, they said, Oh, okay, well, this is what he's doing. And we can't let that happen. So they sat curveball. The next thing, you know, they're either walking or hitting the ball, you know, real far because they're ready for it. And then, or getting into advantageous counts where he's got to come in there with a fastball and then they're hitting that, you know, far. So, you know, as much as that deception might have uh, helped him at the beginning of the year, um, whatever he had is, is lost. It wasn't like it was such like a Bugs Bunny pitch that it was unhittable. I just think that people weren't ready for his couple different curveballs. Remember everybody making so much of that? Oh, it's the new smiley. It's the new way to pitch. Five curveballs, you know, in a row. Um, yeah, it's so, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's, it is a different look, you know, I mean, you're putting together that bullpen now with a smiley in it. I think that's a different look, especially when you got like the funky stuff from Quas, who's our new uh, bullpen toy. Hey, hats right, everybody, because whereas Stropey did him left, Quas does it to the right. So like, I love that we get a little hat thing going again, maybe. And um, he's looked good, you know, so if you, we didn't get the lefty we wanted, you know, like when, during the trade, de trade deadline, we didn't get anybody we wanted. Um, uh, Brent Suter was the guy I had circled. He stayed on the Rockies. And um, so now we got Smiley. I, I mean, I really hope it works. You know, uh, this is kind of how I thought the, the year was going to go in the first place. You'd have a bunch of young arms at the back end of the rotation. Everybody would be taking three innings and you'd piece it together. Craig council style. It's not what they did. They let these guys go out and wear it instead. And it didn't work. Like the back end looks pretty shambly and hell the front end looks pretty shambly right now with uh Stroman on the shelf. So. 
Yeah, Strowman on the shelf hurts. I think that I'm excited to see, hopefully, when he gets back after a minimum IL stint, whatever's been going on with his hip or his finger or whatever is back and he is back to normal. Uh, I think that I really like Assad getting a shot at the rotation. I was just looking at his game log and in the games where he's gone four innings, three and two thirds innings, he's actually been really good. He was really good against the strong Braves team. He was really good against the Cincinnati team. He, you know, had that performance in the world baseball classic where he uh, sat down the USA in order in three innings. I was unbelievably incredible to watch him just take on that level of a lineup and just sit all nine of them down. I think Mike Trout is the only dude who made contact against him. Uh, one guy I want to give a shout out to, cause we have not given lots of shout outs to him. It seems like Jamison Tyon has fixed whatever was ailing Jamison Tyon. And in the last five starts or so, that man has been as reliable as Stroman was at the start of the season. So like, yes, they lost Stroman and Smiley, but it looks like they're getting Tyon and Assad at the right time. And the Cubs might be able to keep piecing this together, particularly with, what looks like a really effective three-headed monster of Julian Merriweather, Mark Leiter Jr., and Adbert Alzali at the back end of the bullpen. Yeah, they've they've got the arms to seemingly that that's the circle of trust is growing. I don't think anybody is just lights out just yet, but it's looking per- better than it did obviously at the beginning of the year where we blew a bunch of saves. But yeah, Tyon, um, except for the well, join the club of giving up a home run to Pete Alonso, he looked really good in his start against the Mets. Uh, went seven innings, only gave up three hits, and had seven strikeouts, and even better. No walks. So that's the guy we thought we were getting. And, you know, that happens a lot. You know, welcome to the I suck as a cub at first club and put it together. Remember, like, John Lester sucked as a cub. And then it was like, oh, it's the worst contract in Cubs history. It ended up being the best contract ever in Cubs history. Like, you know, Tyon getting more comfortable. Solid number three if Stroh comes back. The way that we're getting more than maybe we expected out of Kyle Hendricks, which we weren't sure how this this was going to go is a big question mark. You know, I think you've got enough to piece together the starting rotation, but I do not trust David Ross to be the person to do it. Yeah, well, we're going to see how David Ross does it uh, north of the border against our friends in Canada, uh, where the Cubs have a three-game series against a very good Toronto Blue Jays team starting on Friday. But first, a quick break from our sponsors, and then we will check in on this upcoming Cubs series in Canada. All right, we're back. The Cubs are in Canada. Uh, Probable pitchers for this series. We're going to get to see Assad in the starting rotation officially. Uh, He will be squaring off against Jose Barrios um, on Friday night. And then we've got Justin Steele versus Chris Bassett and Jamison Tyon against Hunjin Ryu. I don't know if this is Ryu's first start since coming back from surgery or his second, but he has not been back very long if he's been back at all. It will be his third. I'm looking at it right here. And uh, he's been, uh, he was bad and then he was good, but he's not going real late in the games. It looks like he had 80 pitches and then 52 pitches. Good stuff. So, Danny, yeah, tell me what you tough. see in these matchups. That's tough. That's it. That's those are t- three tough arms to face. Um, 
Barrios has been pretty good. I mean, the Blue Jays have been a tough team. Like if they weren't in the AL East, I don't know where they would be in like in the AL Central, but they might be in first place. They would be winning the AL Central by five games. Yeah, exactly. They are six games in back of the Orioles in the AL East, and they are they would not be winning the AL West. They would be three games in back of the Rangers, but they would definitely be winning the AL Central, Uh, and they would also be winning the NL Central. Yeah, and not too far apart, and not too far back in the West. I'm seeing now too. So like, this is just a, a really good team, and um, and we're facing three really good pitchers because surprise, surprise, uh, really good teams have three really good pitchers to throw at you. <laughs> so it's going to be tough, you know. That's it's a you wish that you would beat the Mets who had just t- torn the team down at the trade deadline. Um, you should have won last night. You, you, you know, you got your butts kicked in that first game of the series. Um, I, I, are you hopeful that we win one of these games? I mean, I'm hopeful we win all three, but I mean, not, not real hope, false hope. (laughs) No, I, so I have some hope. I, I think that the Cubs could do well in this series. It'll be interesting to see what they do. One of the things that I've noticed about the Cubs and, uh, this should be in my piece that will hopefully be done this afternoon. I've been struggling to finish this uh, piece up while I've been traveling. It's just like Wi-Fi is not the most reliable, and I find myself getting odd windows to write and all that jazz. But I'm working on a piece about the Cubs' schedule, and one of the things that's really interesting is that they've been pretty good against teams who have been good. Uh, and, you know, they were really good against the Braves. They were pretty good against the Reds. They showed us a lot in that early part of the series of the season against like the Dodgers and against teams that we thought they would struggle against. Um, and so I actually think that this will be an interesting test to see what the Cubs can do against a team that's sort of a juggernaut in the AL East. You know, they lost two of three against the Red Sox earlier this season. The Toronto Blue Jays are a better team than the Red Sox, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cubs go into the Rogers Center and take two of three. Uh, all sort of dependent on how things piece together. Keep Mike Talkman in the lineup and see what happens. Yeah, that's the key. If they keep Mike Talkman in the lineup, we win. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Cubs, they do have a sub 500 record against teams that are above 500. So, you know, even though that they have had their glimpses at glory where you take two or three from the Braves, it's, you know, overall the result has been 29 and 39, um, which is not going to win you the central or the wild card or any of this stuff. Cause you've got a bunch of teams all bunched up. Now, as we sit here right now, we're, we're we've been flirting with that third playoff spot and flirting with, really taking the lead in the division, which we might have a better chance of than the wild card. Even Um, I just, when I look at, I mean, they didn't sell, right? You pick up the Jamer Candelario, you give the cup fans, the hope you give teams, the hope that we're going for it. The team, the hope did they do enough to actually win though? (laughs) You know, like, that's the real question. And if you're losing two or three to the Mets, I mean, if you have a 500 road trip, fine. I'll, I'll take that. You come back to Wrigley, you work it out, you know, you face the white, the bad team in the White Sox, take both those games. Like, then I'm back on track. But you have a two and four road trip, you split with the White Sox next week. And now I'm kind of like, see, you got me excited. And then you just decided to be a 500 team again. Just like I, because every time, 
They play well. Like right before going to London, they played well. And then they fell flat on their faces. Then they played well right before the trade deadline. And I'm kind of like, is this the over the hill part of this, you know, where now nah, they just kind of sludge around and I, I hate to say that that's how I really feel about this team, but that's how I really feel about this team. They'll, they'll win one of the games. They'll win the Tyone game randomly. <laughs> you know, like. Well, I'm going to call that they win two of these games. And admittedly, I'm being kind of optimistic here, but I, I have a hunch that Assad is going to be really good against this Blue Jays team. And Barrios is the type of hit pitcher that the Cubs should do well against. They should be able to game plan a bit against him and, and do some damage. And, you know, with the off day, I think this was a really well-timed off day for the Cubs. They looked pretty sluggish in that New York series. So I'm hoping they get some rest, uh, show up, show up ready to rock against the Blue Jays. And and I'm going to say that it's two out of three. If they show up ready to rock, it's going to be because some of these hot bats stayed hot as a reminder these are done off of the last two weeks. You have to have had at least 20 plate appearances. And a hot bat is a bat with a WRC plus over 110 over that time period, which means that you have been at least 10% better than league average at driving in runs during that time period. Jamar Candelaria leads the way after his hot start with his former team. WRC plus of 246 over that time period. Uh, Mike Tockman next up. Please leave him in the lineup every day. David Ross, WRC plus of 227. During that time period, Cody Bellinger has stayed hot. His WRC plus is 188 during that time period. Christopher Morrell sitting at 131 during that time period. And Ian Happ makes the list at 119. In fact, the only cold bat that the Cubs had during this time period was Nick Madrigal at 79. And maybe that's why he's bunting, but that doesn't explain why he's p- playing third every day. Or, yeah, or even up to bat. Like, um, yeah, it, it, <laughs> It, it, that's they didn't score a lot of runs in New York, so I'm I'm hoping that that can I hope they can they can find their stride again because they scored two runs in the eleven to two loss, they scored three runs in the win, and then they scored three runs again. I feel like the sweet spot for this team because they don't have like the greatest pitching staff in the world, probably five or six runs. Like when the Cubs are scoring, I I looked it up the other day that like when the Cubs score more than five runs, like their record is exponentially better than it, you know, which I'm sure most teams are, um, you know, that's not rocket science. Hey, if you score a lot of runs, you have a good chance of winning, but like, you know, it was, it was pretty severe that there was a certain number and it's not three. (laughs) So I'm just (laughs) saying it's not three. You got to score. You got to score some runs. Uh, you know, I know that's the most obvious thing in the world, but that's what they were doing against the Reds. You know that that's what they managed to do against the Braves. If you you know, it, except for in the one game where they got shut out, they put up eight runs and six runs, I think. So, yeah, yeah, crooked numbers. Crooked numbers are the ticket. Also, staying away from some of the guys who are hot on the opposition can help with that. Here are the Blue Jays' hot bats. Uh, David Schneider, I I double-checked, not a made-up name, also has a phenomenal mustache. This is a 24-year-old rookie the Blue Jays have called up this season. He he has a WRC plus of 275 since he was called up by the Blue Jays. And honestly, I'm, I'm kind of like intrigued to see this guy. He is currently slashing 474, 565, 789 in his 23 plate appearances uh, in the major league so far. So stay away from this David Schneider kid, or at least cool him off a bit. Uh, Alejandro Kirk 
The Blue Jays' great hitting catcher uh, has a WRC plus of 180 over this time period, which is nice to see. He's kind of struggled this year, so he he seems to have righted the ship a little bit. Brandon Belt, who you remember from his days with the San Francisco Giants, manning first base for the Blue Jays, he has a WRC plus of 179 over the last two weeks. And, And honestly, that is it. Those are the hot bats on the Blue Jays. Everyone else has been kind of ice cold, and I would like to keep it that way. Yeah, of of course we would. <laughs> but you know, it's sixty five and fifty one team, pretty good playoff odds right now. Um, Fifteen and ten in the second half. So let's let's. What have they been doing re- recently? I'm looking it up right now. They looks like they beat Cleveland. They're playing them today, so that's good for us. And they've they're in Cleveland, so they got to fly. Um, they swept Boston on the road. Um, yeah, they looked really good in that Boston series. I'm not going to lie. Uh, they're six and four over their last 10, and they're right in the playoff hunt. Honestly, not in that different of a situation than the Cubs. You know, they don't really, they're six games out of the division. It doesn't look like they have as good of a shot to win the division as the Cubs have to win the NL Central, but they are right in that wild card race, and they need every win just like the Cubs need every win. Honestly, Danny, I'm just thrilled that there is meaningful baseball being played in August uh, for Cubs fans. I missed how fun this is. It is fun to need to catch every game, to have lucky items of clothing, and to be checking the standings all of the time and seeing the Cubs right there in the mix. Yeah, it's something we actually added to Cubs pod now is saying how the Reds and Brewers did (laughs) in the morning because it's important again. So that's good. And add the Marlins to that mix. you got to root against the Marlins because I I did a little – research and I did my own research and I uh, saw that, you know, we have lost so far these season uh, series record to the Reds and we already lost it to the Marlins. So we actually have to be in that spot in the pole position um, and with not a tiebreaker. So we lose those tiebreakers right now. So that would suck to lose on some dumb game against the Marlins back in May. But that's why I'm always freaking out, Sarah, because you can't lose dumb games to the Marlins, which, which I still remember that series. Remember they gave it up? That was like the fulmering, you know, of the situation. Oh, man. I'm still no, that, mad that was about a, those that games. Was, they got swept by Miami before going into D.C. and losing like three or four to the Nationals. I mean, Terrible. that was the team at its absolute worst looking utterly despondent and like they were going to lose a hundred games admittedly they have looked a lot better since then and it's nice to see them winning but yeah they need to go on a little bit of a run here so that they, they don't got put it. themselves in a situation where they lose tiebreakers to the marlins or you know they have a bunch of games against the reds left so they might control that tiebreaker by the time all is said and done there but i don't know how the tiebreakers work out for philadelphia or san francisco um I think we might lose the Philly tiebreaker based on what I remember from the Philadelphia series. I'm I've flashbacks to that tie on game where he gave up like a grand slam to, was it Kyle Schwarber or was it somebody else? He gave up a grand slam in the first inning. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Sorry. Did I disappear for a moment? You did, but you came back. So I'm hoping that it just like did the thing. And actually that's probably a sign that we have tested the limits of hotel Wi-Fi more than enough and i probably should we should probably call uh this episode danny if people want to find you they want to find your music they want to find we should can we outro with the summer of mike talkman here i feel like that's good vibes can we can we make that i the will outro today? i will 
Absolutely. I will email it to you immediately. Amazing. So we're going to outro with the summer of Mike Talkman here. You got to check it out. Give Danny a like and follow. Uh, definitely get yourself a Bleacher Bum album. Now that I have done a great job of uh, letting you know all of Danny's work. Danny, where else can people find your work? What are you working on and where can they follow you? Sunranto at Sunranto, S-O-N-R-A-N-T-O in all places. Amazing. You can find me at at BCB underscore Sarah everywhere except for Blue Sky where I am BCB Sarah because they don't allow underscores for hashtag reasons. Uh, And we will be back next time to let you know everything that happened in Toronto north of the border, whether the Cubs were successful or unsuccessful uh, in playing a pretty good Blue Jays team. But it's here, y'all. We are getting um, meaningful baseball late in the season and the Cubs are right in the mix. So fun times. We can't wait to share all of them with you. Till next time. He's been a real clutch hitter, coming through to driving runs, playing right in center field. It's the summer of Mike Talkman. He went to Fremd High School from Chicago's Northwest suburbs. Call him the Palatine Pounder. Throw a strike, you're gonna get burned. Watching CHGO. The summer became for Mike Talkman when Cody Del Mendo said it once while he was talking, and then the Cubs used it online. Oh yeah, cause it's the summer of Mike Talkman. Oh yeah, yeah it's the summer of Mike Talkman. Yeah, leading the commies, it's Mike Talkman.